Hi, I'm still Pamela, and I'm still a compulsive overeater. Hi, everyone. And you know, I'm always going to be a compulsive overeater. That's the bottom line. So um, I'm going to start with my pictures. Um, I used to be younger. I used to be be fatter sometimes. I used to be thinner sometimes. My top weight was 220. My bottom weight was 120. In looking for the fix in my life, I lost and gained 685 pounds. So um, I know how to starve. I know how to purge. I know how to binge. I got it all. Aren't I lucky? Okay, so, and, and I was in denial till I spoke at this meeting. And I was explaining my history. And I never was aware that I was a purger. I thought I was just doing healthy things. And I was doing a lot of, like, cleanses and colon cleanses. Because I wanted to have a healthy colon. Come on, let's be honest what I was doing. Okay. You know, but one day at a time, more shall be revealed. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. So, um, you know, I'm here now and I'm in a room of people and as people were reading, I looked around and I made eye contact with many of you. Many of you I feel like I'm close to. I feel like I have a warm and loving relationship with. I never had this before. Yes, I was kind of popular because I was pushy and funny, but um, I never had a heartfelt relationship. I was always very jealous. I always would gossip about my best friend behind their back. And so, you know, that doesn't make for a strong relationship. And um, I, I really never felt anybody liked me. And that was the bottom line. I felt so rejected. Um, when I was about nine or ten... I just happened to have the best girlfriend who, like, was really skinny. In fact, they used to call her Sister Bean because she was as skinny as a string bean. And it just happened that one of that family was my best friend, so I felt like fat. And I can show you pictures of me in sixth grade of me and her, and I just looked kind of normal. I mean, I should have figured it out in eighth grade when they asked me to model the new P.E. uniform. But I thought they just wanted a fat person because it would show that it looked nice on everybody. And so I, I mean, you know, the disease is up here. The disease is really up here. And, um, and so um, I always thought that if I just lost X number of pounds, everything would be okay. Well, I have to tell you the real truth. Today, I have lost the weight. I have maintained the loss. But I do that stuff up there, which I never did before. And, uh, yeah, everything's really good. I mean, okay, okay, okay. I did not win the lottery. I did not win several million dollars. Of course, I didn't play the lottery. So, you know, it's really hard to expect to win if you don't play. Um, But I did win 
a subscription to Lifeline. And, <laughs> no, but it, mine was running out and I was feeling really poor because money is one of my things and financial insecurity still comes back to haunt me. And I'm thinking, oh, it's time to renew this, but... You know, taxes for one of my corporations is up. I mean, we should have such problems. You know what I mean? It's not like I need money for lunch. I mean, um, I have. I have a really plentiful life, but I'm thinking, gee, do I, I don't really have that money. And then I left the meeting and somebody said, you won. And I said, oh, I don't even have to miss an issue. So, you know, I'm blessed. And it's in that way that I'm always blessed. I have to be aware of all of the wins I always have. You know, I'm not absolutely... Okay, so I ate, I ate, I ate, I drank, I drank, I drank, I smoked, I smoked, I smoked, I shopped, I shopped, I shopped. Okay, so, you know, I was there doing it all and having a good time. Um, And when I got... And I was very miserable. I had relationships, but they never really lasted. My parents did the best they could. You know, I mean, I look back on it now and any mistreatment I may have gotten, the compassion I feel for anyone who may have mistreated me is so much stronger. Because I'm okay. I'm, look, I'm at goal weight. Okay, 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 I'm going to be 70, but better late than never. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> My girlfriend, we, when we were 20-something, we got on speed or whatever. We, she found a diet doctor. And so we'd eat together, we'd diet together, we'd eat together. And I brought her to program 15 years ago, and she just couldn't get it. She just couldn't get it. So about eight years she ha- ago, she had the bariatric and she lost weight, and she got down a little bit, and then she put it back on. And then, I can't believe this, but she had a lap band on top of it. And she hasn't lost any weight with that. And she said to me a few months ago, when she saw me, and she hasn't seen me for a while, she doesn't live in town, she says, how do you feel about your body? And I said, you know, I'm hot. I am hot. I mean, okay, so the skin sags a little bit. You know, if I could just hang upside down a little longer every day, (laughs) I think everything would start coming back up again. But it it is what it is, and I'm happy that it is what it is. I guess that I did mention that I ate, I smoked, I drank drank, I shopped, I took pills, um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of were the byline of my life for a long time. And it was hard for me to decide what it is I should give up uh, or what my bottom line problem was. I had a friend, that sorority sister from college, same thing, we binged and dieted together, and she got into AA. And I tell you, She is really not very together, but she lived with me for a while to get back on her feet about 20 years ago. I have 18 years and about seven months of abstinence. I have an 85-pound weight loss. I have maintained that 85-pound weight loss for the last five years. While I, I, you know, it... 
Okay, for you newcomers, for me, it didn't happen overnight, but better late than never. So this is how it started. I came in and I said, I can't be on, I've been on so many diets, this many calories, this for lunch, this for dinner. I can't do it. I feel too restricted. It's like my mother making me eat lunch. I can't do it because it's my mother. So I'll just give up sugar because I knew sugar was bad for me. And so I did, but I couldn't keep that up. And I decided what I would do is to go to another abstinence. And so I decided I would do three meals a day and two snacks. And every meal would have a beginning and an end. And before every meal, I prayed. And I still do. And that prayer is, God, help this food to nourish my body. If by some accident some food should fall in, that's like not quite on the food plan and not exactly what my body needs because sometimes my mind is off. Could you make the calories not count? <laughs> and I feel we can ask for anything. And I do feel that, you know, if I keep saying that prayer and I keep eating twice as many calories as I need, God kind of says, Pamela, you're not doing the footwork. So I always have to remember to do the footwork. Anyway, my friend came out here and she decided to go to AA, but her problem was really sugar and alcohol and all, you know, everything that there is to do. I mean, if you're a compulsive, fill in the blank. Basically, we have it all. And she was staying with me and... Uh, about 18, 19 years ago, and she went through the steps. And she sat in my breakfast room and she wrote a volume for a fourth step. She got a box, a file box, and she was writing out her eighth and step people that she owed amends to. I thought, God, this gal has never been wrapped too tight, you know. <laughs> but God bless her, she's doing it. And then those cards out of that ninth step box started disappearing and I noticed a profound change in who she was she was a much happier person and I said I don't want to be where she is because I've got my doo-doo more together than she does right now but if I could make that change for where, from where I am now if I could have that kind of switch in my life I'd be I'd be more than thrilled. So I picked food because 685 pounds having gained and lost, we know that. I mean, I had a drink every day. I got up in the morning and smoked marijuana. I took diet pills. I took sleeping pills. I ran up credit cards. I did all of that, you know. But food was always my bottom line. And as a child, I remember it started in sixth grade. When I got on the scale and I think there was a mistake and they said I weighed over a hundred pounds and I was mortified. Nobody else did. And um, I remember being really overly fat in high school. A friend who hadn't seen me for 25 years remembers that I got up at a program and read, read a Christmas reading and I had on my orchestra uniform with a black skirt and a white blouse and I had a big white, it was the 50s, oh shh, and I had a big wide belt on and she remembered I had a small waist. 
I always thought I was just totally the ugliest person in the whole world, inside and out. That's what I believed. And I made that come true because I gained 40 pounds in college. And it just went up and down and up and down. I did every diet there was twice. The first time, I was a real success. The second time, uh, it worked a little. And I just couldn't start the third time. And I ran out of diets. I have a whole bookshelf of diets. So, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I did a lot slowly. And I am a very impatient person. But I am so grateful. I started out with no sugar. Uh, and this was in... 1994, April 15th, and then I, okay, April 15th, 1994, then I went on this crazy thing where I did three meals a day, I was trying, I was trying to, I was trying, and I'll be honest with you, I had, before I came to program, I'd done 30 days of a complete fast, nothing but herbal tea, and bulking agents, I was cleaning my colon bullshit. Okay, I was... Anyway, I came, I came into program and I was not at my top weight. So, yes, I did gain some weight. So, from April 15, 1994 to July 5th of 1998 is when I gave up sugar. That's how long it took me. Not four days, not four months, four years. That really sucks, doesn't it? But you know what? Haven't had sugar since. Don't care about sugar. You can put it in my hand. A hockey puck, a Hershey bar. They are the same to me. I have no attraction to either one, and neither of them is going in my mouth. <laughs> you know, I, I have been relieved of the obsession. It is gone. So then it took till 2000. For me to give up wheat. I mean, I should have remembered as a child, I would do two slices at a time. My parents would go to sleep and I, two slices of bread in the toaster, butter, sugar, cinnamon. Take those two slices up to, that's all I'm going to eat. And by the end of the evening, that loaf of bread was gone. So I should have decided that, you know, I have a problem with sugar. I have a problem with bread. And I didn't know how I feel about the fat. Anyway, so it took me two more. It took me till 2000, April 1st of 2000, to give up white flour. That morphed into flour. By 2002, I had given up all glutinous materials. I'm now a wannabe working on no grains. Just working on no grains. I'm having a little bit of trouble with corn, but almost every other grain I have just stopped eating. I think Terrell says we've given up the white food for the green food. That's kind of the way it is. That's what I do. Um, I'm a vegetarian also, so I have... I have a limited amount I can put on my plate, and I, upon occasion... 
Okay, so I just went to the wonderful Region 2 convention in Sacramento. It was absolutely fantastic. And I'm trying to get over the resentment of them asking me to be on the panel for aging. I had no idea why they <laughs> would ask me, you know. But I'm just working with them, and I'm going to tell them what I told you. You know how I deal with aging in OA? I'm in complete denial. Okay. You know, there's no, no reason to have to deal with it. Anyway, I went there, and for dinner, sometimes people just take the protein off the plate and give you more vegetables. Those people you really, really are bitter against, and you feel they should know. What happened at this is what they put on my plate was eight ounces of polenta. I said, oh, great, a grain. <laughs> a grain, I'm trying, is replacing the protein, and there's no protein in this meal. Um, but I didn't do as I have done in previous events, which is stand up, say, where is the person in charge of food, and scream at them. I actually knew who the person that was in charge of food was, and when she walked by my table as she was walking to see how everybody was doing, I pointed to my plate and I said, do you see a protein substitute on that plate? And she said, no, you were supposed to get beans. I said, well, there's a little bean sauce dribbled over it, made a very nice decorative pattern. Anyway, she took care of it. They brought me beans. Everything was okay, and I didn't have to make an amend. <laughs> I sometimes do have to do that. And, um, you know, that's just the way it is. I still have to work on my food, and, you know, I carry it with me. In one of my first meetings, I heard somebody say, I'm going to go back to my family for Thanksgiving, and I'm just bringing my food with me. I said, that is totally effed up, okay? What? I would rather be fat than schlep my food. <laughs> I schlep my food everywhere. I take these, I've learned, I take frozen tofurkey sausages because they're a very good source of protein in my carry-on but the best thing to do is to tell security before it goes through the x-ray machine <laughs> that you have frozen tofu in there because when they look at those bars of frozen tofu they pull you aside and say don't touch anything because <laughs> they think it's explosives anyway but it's a little <laughs> So I just tell them it's my tofu, and they, I said, I, you know, I'm a vegetarian, and I need to make sure I can have my food. I will tell you my highlight. This is how sick I am. I eat the same food every day. I write my food down every day. I sponsor. I do service. I work the 12 steps. Oh. I forgot what I was saying. I eat the same food every day. I write it down every day. But I still get excited about food. So I went to Sacramento. I missed my plane. I missed the alternate connections. I finally got to Sacramento. I said, and I started at 6 in the morning, and now it's about noon, and I'm saying, I'm getting hungry for lunch, and I really don't want a tofurkey sausage. I ran to the next connection to Sacramento, and, if they, and they said, we can put 29 people on. It depends on how heavy the plane is. I said, you know, I've lost 85. <laughs> 
And I'll take my lunch out of my suitcase if I could just get on the next plane. But they said, no, there was the luggage weighed too much. Not mine, other people's. So I said, okay, I'm going to find something to eat in this, in this airport. And do you know what I posted on Facebook was the highlight of my trip? I found nachos with tofu. What more could I ask for? You know, so it is these gifts in life that keep me going. I know it doesn't sound like much, but I get to eat what I love all the time. And I love what I eat, and, and I don't change it. I write it down, and I'm going to emphasize that again. I practice these steps. I practice these principles. I am going to be chair of your 2013 Region 2 Convention in Palm Springs. And afterwards, when you all come up to tell me how great I was, you can give me your name and your email and tell me what you'd like to do on that committee because we'd like to have you all involved. Um, I did say I looked around this room and I see love and caring in a lot of your faces. And it's not just that I sat next to you in meetings. It's because I did service with you. And there was a time when I probably had a resentment against you because you were probably too controlling or you didn't understand what I wanted to do because we were working on a committee, you know. But as time has evolved, those are the people that I really have a strong connection to and a feeling of someone who would support me no matter what happened. And you know, what I think my life is all about is that exchange of love and support and understanding that I share with each and one of, every one of you. So I want to thank you for all being here today so I can hang out a bunch around a bunch of people who are really close and near and dear to my heart. And you newcomers, we're going to get to know each other. Just come and talk to me. I welcome any of your phone calls at any time. And any time I can be of service to anybody, that's what I do. It's not always what I want to do, okay? I'm thinking about my next meeting for this convention committee, and I realize I have eight things on the agenda and I'm totally overwhelmed, but you know, I'm going to take one at a time. And with the help of my higher power and all of you, this is going to be fun. So if I forgot to say something and I felt like I forgot everything, ask me a question. Thank you for letting me share. <laughs> This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. Also, remember the opinions of the leader are my opinions and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Oh, because I get to see myself. You see, I'm in a room of everybody that has my character defects. And they just slap me right in the face. And so I go out and um, 
my first thing is to want to gossip, but I try to bite my tongue, and sometimes I gossip, okay, about people that aren't perfect. But what I have to remember is that's a reflection of me. And there, there but by the grace of God, would go I. And so some people have the same character defects I'm working on. Some people have character defects I used to have. But that's what it really does. Oh, and the other thing it does, so focusing on me and my character defects, because that's what I see in other people, I get out of myself. I start thinking about the good of others and about giving and when I open myself up to give, that's when I receive. And so I guess that's why I do service. And people always like me when I do a lot of work, and I love to be liked. So I'm just doing it because I still have an ego left. Oh, my bottom line abstinence is loving myself. Bottom line abstinence. Um, Sometimes I just breathe and just focus on my breathing. Sometimes I give in and get up and move to the chair on the other side because you know what? Nobody gives a rat's bazooka if you moved or not moved. You know, they're not saying, oh my God, Arlene moved during the meeting. She really has a bad character. Nobody even cares about you. I mean, please, we're all concerned about ourselves, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, sometimes I give in and sometimes I just breathe and let it go. Is that what you were referring to? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I came into the program and I thought people that believed in God um, were not on the right meds, you know? If they, <laughs> if they knew my dealer, they'd know that they didn't need God because they had their doo-doo together. So, yeah. Um, but it kept saying I was powerless and I knew I was powerless and I knew something greater than myself would restore me to sanity and I had seen somebody they weren't as sane as I was but there was a change in their level of sanity and peacefulness and serenity so um, I looked around for organized religion because I thought, I'm just not going to do this on myself. I didn't really have a religion. My parents had a religion. They sent me to Sunday school. I was the star. I learned everything the fastest. I'm tone deaf. I sang in the choir. I memorized all the words. I was very active in my church. But God, I, God, <laughs> what a joke. That's for those weak people. So um, I just found, I, I investigated a bunch of organized religions. And I got involved in one. And much to my surprise, I found that half the people involved in it were more messed up than I was. <laughs> but I found some people were more enlightened, that going to places where people worship, whether it was my religion or another religion, had a power in it that was greater than myself, that helped me feel attached to something that was really big and sustaining and empowering and uh, so yeah I started hanging out with the religion and and even today some people that I worship with are more enlightened and some aren't enlightened at all and so that's just the way it is but I felt if I was in a group
I felt I needed a group. So I just went to organized religion and um, I got it. I'm very lucky in that my particular religion does a lot of meditation. So I knew how to do prayers. That's just asking for something. And gimme, gimme, gimme was, you know, one of my mantras throughout most of my life. So not asking for something of being open to receive something was a really good concept. And it didn't happen overnight. I got a religion within a year. Um, I didn't have a strong foundation in a faith for probably five to ten years, but I acted as if. And I said, God is doing for this for me. God, don't let me eat too much. God, take care of this. God, let me be okay. This is such a dumb thing to be doing. I don't believe it's all BS, you know, but I acted as if. And it just came true. I get out of bed and I deal with my cats. <laughs> and I try to do that with an open heart because one's very old and sick and one's very young and hyper. Okay, so I deal with that. Um, I then either do yoga or I do a fast walk. And during both of those, I meditate. I chant a mantra that is just near and dear to my heart. Um, and while I'm walking and when I'm doing yoga, I do the mantra that appears to me while I'm doing the yoga. I don't always know what it's going to be. But those are the things I do. In the bathroom, I have four today. And if I open it and the bookmark is in this month, I feel like I'm doing good. You know? <laughs> it's three months ago I blew it. I mean, that's the best I can do. That's the best I can do. I mean, I wish I could say. Um, uh, Carl, Carl taught me that when you get in the car, the first thing you do is say the, uh, say the 12 steps. And uh, sometimes I do that and sometimes I don't. I used to do it really faithfully, and now I do it less faithfully. One of the things I do every morning, is Monday through Friday, is take calls from sponsees. And that's how I get in. That's how God, that's how the only time that I'm able to get out of my tight ego and really let God in. And so a sponsee will... At some point in time, I ask a question, and I'll talk all about myself, and then I'll talk some more about myself. But at some point in time, I will hear what they said on a deep level, and instead of blabbling about my experience, strength, and hope, some words will come out of my mouth. And um, it's those words that um, I needed to hear today. So that's what I do in the morning. And I wish I could say I did better, but that's what I do. This is what I did as a newcomer. First of all, if you didn't hear what you wanted to hear, you're going to hear it someplace else because somebody has your story. So they say, go to seven meetings in seven days. Well, I'm a compulsive fill in the blank. So when I came to meetings, I heard people say, 
My sponsor said to do 30 meetings in 30 days. You know what I did? Because I'm a compulsive fill in the blank. I heard somebody say in another program they had 90 meetings in 90 days. 90 meetings in 90 days. If you're a newcomer, if you're an old timer, if you're struggling, if anything that's going on, that's a problem. Nothing like those 90 meetings. And you know, during that time, I went to Hong Kong. I went to AA meetings in Hong Kong. And before I left, I did two meetings a day because it just said 90 meetings in 90 days. So if I, I, you know, I just wanted at the end, you know, I kept a little track of it. But that's what I would say. The other thing I would say is get a sponsor. And if you don't find the perfect person right away, ask anybody. So before I came in the program, I needed to find the perfect sponsor. So I had this friend who had all this recovery, and I said, well, I think I'm an OA candidate. Do you know anybody that's in both programs that would be perfect? She said, this girl has the most perfect program. I called her. I interviewed her. I decided that she would probably cut it as a sponsor. And, and I did what she said, and I started going to the meeting she went to. After three weeks, she decided she really wasn't an OA person. She was an Al-Anon person, and she quit. So what did I do? I was in a meeting. And I looked around, and I was going to ask this person, and then I asked, I said, I'm going to ask someone today, because it's been like a week, and I haven't had a sponsor. And I asked a guy, and he said, I don't do girls. I was glad that he didn't say, I don't do old ladies. Okay. <laughs> and, and so I just turned around, and there was someone I'd seen several times, and I really didn't know him that well, but they were in the right body size. And I said, will you be my sponsor? And it was perfect. God is going to pick out your sponsor for you. Don't think you're in control of who's the perfect person for you. Just ask somebody. And if it doesn't work out, somebody else will appear. But get a sponsor. This is not a roll your own program. Ain't going to work that way. You know? You know, loving myself 90% of the time isn't even about me. It's about you. I mean, writing my food down and following a food plan is loving myself. But my bottom line abstinence, which is loving myself, is no over-the-edge food, emotions, verbal activities, and there's my problem. So if I button my lip 90% of the time, I'm loving myself because had I, and I still have a tendency to tell those customer service people <laughs> that I could really give them some salient advice, but you know, and sometimes I say it with a little bit of an attitude and that's just the way it is. But I feel Instead of telling that person how to do their job, if I just take that second and say, this poor sucker is stuck with this job where people are being pissed off all the time. So why don't I just say to them, thank you for doing your job. I appreciate your being there for me. Maybe I'm not getting exactly what I need. Is there anywhere you could direct me? But, you know, acknowledging them and who they are and having compassion because whether it's the person that cut in line in front of you, whether it's the person at the DMV, it's not about me. 
they might be acting towards me in a way that might feel uncomfortable, but I have to put myself in their shoes. And so once I get out of my shoes, I get out of my ego. And that's what I try to do is always put myself in the other person's shoes. But there, by the grace of God, go I. I have to remember that. Is it time? It's time.